a highly secure network of top secret locations across South Texas. This is the Spurs Insider Podcast, one and three edition. I'm your host as always, Mike Finger, joined by Express News Sports Editor Nick Talbot, the polarizing Jeff McDonald, and Tom Ringo Star Orsborn. And I'm just going to start this right away with a with what I know, uh, having discussed this topic preliminarily uh, a matter of hours ago. Um, I'm going to start this off with what is guaranteed to incite an argument, a semantic argument, which is always a highlight on the Spurs insider podcast debating semantics is this is this about dukes of hazard I, I i can't get on board with coy and vance duke era i'm sorry the, i know that was like your favorite era of the dukes of hazard but i cannot i just cannot abide that it was I'm clearly like, just a just uh you know it was it was a bastardization of the whole franchise and it just it made me sick to my stomach and i can't believe that, that that's your favorite era of dukes of hazard are you done that's his strongest take ever and he's not wrong, but that's ridiculous. Continue, Mike, please. The, the semantic statement I'm going to say right now, that was a pretty bad loss last night for the Spurs, the local cagers to the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah. And uh, yeah, well, why, why don't you expound? Because I think where we were running into a little bit of a disparity is how we're defining what a bad loss is, what we mean by that. I think, I think we have different nomenclature there. And so I would like to hear what you mean by bad loss? Um, by bad loss, I think there are, were encouraging signs in the loss, but, I, but what I mean by a bad loss is your local cagers are probably not going to be favored in more than 20 games this year, if that. And last night was one of, last night was, and, and we're taping this on, uh, on Wednesday in the AM, uh, right after one of the more compelling finishes of the, of the young season so far and which, which the young San Antonio Spurs went to overtime against the not so mighty Los Angeles Lakers and ended up succumbing, uh, to defeat. Um, the, the Lakers have been in disarray for most of this, uh, early part of the season. They're, they've, oh kind of, they, they've kind of been a mess. Their best player, LeBron James was sidelined and the, the odds makers in the city in the desert, Las Vegas, Nevada, who build casinos one after the other, a new casino every year based on their knowledge of the uh, of the odds and the numbers. Pegged the local cagers as two and a half point favorites. That was that was the closing line after it was learned that LeBron James was not going to play. And 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 odds aren't everything, and the line isn't everything. But my point is, and I realize that we're getting into kind of a ridiculous argument over verbiage. But my point is that if your local cagers are only going to be favored in, in a dozen or, 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 or 18, 19 games this year, and that might be high, like you need to win those. And when you're, when you're winning a game against a team that's kind of in disarray by what, 11 points midway through the second half, when you have everything on your side, you gotta, you gotta win those. And, and yes, there were a lot of encouraging things that happened for the Spurs last night, but those, these are the wins they need to get. And, and eventually they'll start getting them, but Jeff McDonald and Tom Orsborn and the, in the pages of the express news 
uh, print edition and online edition have, have written a lot this year about how the Spurs are making these steps and, and showing they can play against these good teams. And that's totally true. Eventually, you got to start winning one. And now I sound like a ridiculous person for 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 calling this team out after four games when they're completely rebuilding. But my, my point is, that's a game, that's a game you expect to win and letting it slip away is sort of a disappointment. That's, that's, that's sort of where I partially disagree. I going into that game with or with, without LeBron, I didn't expect them to win it. I would have been, I wouldn't have been shocked if they won it, but I would have been, you know, a little bit pleasantly surprised on the Spurs behalf if they won it. But I didn't go in that game thinking, Oh, they got this one. They should win this one. If they lose, it's a bad loss. I had even done that. I, I, if I would have known what the Vegas odd makers were doing with that, I would have bet all my money on the Lakers and I wouldn't even be here right now. I'd be in Bora Bora. I did not expect the Spurs to win that game. But anyway, if you had bet all your money on that game, what would you have been thinking as DeJounte Murray rose for the game winner as, as the final seconds ticked off the clock in regulation? Do you well, feel comfortable be, about that? I would have been thinking, you know, his effective field goal percentage isn't that good. So I'm all right. <laughs> anyway, like my my thinking of a bad loss, a lot of it has to do with expectations and circumstances. And like when I think of a bad loss, I think back to like the 2014-15 Spurs or whatever, the defending champions that, you know, they're losing to a Knicks team at home where they, you know, that's going to go sure. on to win 32 games or losing to... Uh, you know, a Lakers team back then that won 17 games. And then you get to the end of the season and that defending state of champion Spurs team is in seventh place in the West by one game because of all these dumb losses. Those to me, those are bad losses. What I would describe last night as on the, for these young rebuilding Spurs, just a disappointing loss. They had it and they got away. They could have won and it got away, but I don't think it's, it's, uh, you know, when they had to win or need to win, I mean, need to win for what, for what, I mean, you could be, you could art, it could be argued, and a lot of people will argue, like the best scenario for this season for the Spurs is a lot of games like that. Play really well, do a lot of good things, learn a lot, be competitive, but have a bad record and get a good draft pick. So yeah. I, I don't really, you know, it's it's hard for me to look at very many losses this year that the Spurs are going to post, and there's going to be a bunch of them. It's going to be hard for me to look at many of them as bad. If they'd, have lost, if they'd have lost opening night at home to Orlando, that's a bad loss. To me, yeah. losing to Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook when you don't have those guys, it's hard for me to like call a team out for that. It's hard. I, 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 I just I can't I can't go there. I'm kind of having some fun. Go ahead, Tom. Bad losses. I mean, they had tons of them the last couple of years where they would lose to teams they should have beaten. Um, last night was as the game unraveled. It was one to be had for sure, but. I don't think I'd say it, it was a bad loss, but it was one to be had that they they let slip away. And now, you know, you wonder when when they will win again and what mm -hmm. effect that'll have on their morale uh, with these young guys. I'm kind of having some fun. It's obviously not a bad yeah. loss, like like losing to the Knicks in the old days. And those, oh, now, those types you're, of games. now now you're but, saying it. Where but were the you point is, <laughs> the point is Tom Orsborn in the um, in the last preseason Spurs Insider podcast without hesitation rattled off how he thought this, the first week would go. And I think he got everything right. He predicted a, a, an overwhelming victory on open night, opening night against the Orlando magic, and then said they were going to lose the next three. And he was totally correct. And I think as Tom looks forward at the schedule that is awaiting the Spurs, when do you see the next win coming Tom? And, and 
And before you answer that, the point is like, if you, when you have victories that are sort of within reach, like it would behoove you to, uh, to get over the hump a little bit. And this is kind of silly. I realize that I'm just saying like, that's, that's a game that, uh, if if they're going to win 30 games this year, they need to win games like that. And maybe they will eventually, but what do you see lying ahead, Tom? Well, you've got uh, you've got at Dallas on Thursday, at Milwaukee on Saturday. Uh, oh, those are go. those are two losses. <laughs> uh, Indiana, uh, they're at Indiana. Um, Indiana's one in three, but then you run into the situation where you know they 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 want to win. They they wow. want to win against the team. They don't want a bad loss, right? And, uh, so yeah, I, I would I would favor Indiana there. Then they're back at Dallas at home. I like the Spurs chances in that one at home. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just with a little familiarity with the Mavericks and then uh, I'll finish with the next two. Then you've got the, a road trip at Orlando and at Oklahoma city. That's where those will be bad losses. I think, I think you need to get right. those. Yeah. The, the reason uh-huh. people are, the reason people are encouraged or some people are encouraged after this, this, even this one and three start and the coaches are encouraged and Greg Popovich is encouraged is because I think if they play the way they've played the last three games, there's going to be some wins on that stretch. They can beat Dallas playing like that. They can beat Indiana playing like that. I'm not saying they will. I'm not saying they will play like that, but it, but playing the way they have played the last three games, they can beat teams that are a little bit better. So I think that's where the encouragement comes from. But there's, there's, if, if, if they can continue to play the way they have, make one or two fewer mistakes, they've got some wins coming. Um, that segues perfectly into, I think, maybe the overriding question about this team four games into the season in that um, a common thread in each of the three losses Maybe my Denver sort of um, putting themselves in position to win. And then the other team kind of knows where they're going to go in the key situations, knows what they're trying to do in key situations. The, the local cagers don't understand that yet. And that's totally understandable for a franchise that had the big three for forever. And then had a guy like DeMar DeRozan, who was the closer for better or worse, um, the Spurs knew what they were doing in late tight situations. And now they really don't. And before the final possession on Tuesday night against the Lakers, which actually went okay. I think they got a shot in the, uh, in the DeJounte Murray pull up. Uh, that's about as, as quality as anything Greg Popovich could have, uh, drawn up and, and pop, um, said that after the game, um, there were, there were, those last couple of minutes, you saw the Lakers go to where they wanted to go when they had the ball and the Spurs really weren't sure. And I, I guess the question for the group is a month from now, when we do this podcast, two months from now, what do you think the plan is in the final minute? Where are your Spurs going to go in those key situations? Not the fertile. <laughs> that's a, that's an option. If he can make free throws. I mean, it, it, I know Nick is kind of having fun. He's played really, really well outside the free throws this year. Uh, obviously, you know, if you look at all the advanced stats, you know, off the chart, obviously I'm, I'm joking a little bit. Um, if DeJounte can shoot better, he's been, you know, obviously Jeff's already touched on that. He's been, you know, not exactly laying it up. He's been playing really well, but just not shooting well. 
Um, I still think Keldon is eventually your answer, but he, he has to shoot a little bit better from three as well. He, I don't, has he, has he made a three yet? I don't think he has, right? He is over, over the season. Oof. That's not a good start. If Kelton would have, if Kelton would have hit a shot in the last six minutes last night, it would have been illegal because he was on the bench. Yeah, and all of overtime as well. <laughs> That's um, what I'm saying. <laughs> all of overtime um, in the last couple of minutes of regulation, he was on the bench. The trouble with Kelton being the guy in that situation is, is he still defaults to put your head down and go. Yeah, a little, a little, a lot for that. There's not a. He's working on that, but there's not a lot of variation to that. And, and so it seems like he'd be easy to guard in a in a crunch time, last second kind of situation. And that was a bad opponent for him last night. Yeah, or put your head down and go. <laughs> yeah, all that length. Yeah, that, that's. I assume that's why he ended up being benched for the last 11 minutes of a tight game. He's your leading scorer coming into that game, and he's benched for the last 11 minutes of a tight game because he kept, he kept you know, it, he, we all love his audacity. He tried to dunk on Giannis the other day too. Um, mm-hmm. But at some point, just throwing your body into Anthony Davis and DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard uh, when you're six, five, isn't going to always work out so well for you. So I th- yeah, think I, that's I, why he found himself kind of watching from the sidelines for the end of that game. So yeah, it would have been hard for him to be the last second guy. I still like, I still like DeJounte in that situation just because he can get his own sh- shot and get a clean look at it, as we saw last night. He got he he crossed himself over into an 18-footer that he could hit. Um, that's his best shot. So I don't really mind mind that shot. And at some point, he can also be a guy that can make a play for somebody else if, if the defense has to come guard him going to the rim. So um, I think he's still the guy. He's sort of a little like DeRozan light, but it's going to take a long time, I think, for him to mature into that. I agree. I agree. I think that, uh, you know, they they kind of made it clear after the game, at least Lonnie did, that something I've thought for a while, that he's the leader of the team. Um, uh-huh. You know, and they kind of defer to him, look up to him. These younger guys, not that he's all that old, but they they just kind of – have a sense of uh, he's their guy and, you know, they'll, they'll, they want him in that position. They want him to succeed in that position. And uh, yeah, Keldon last night, I, I agree with what Jeff said. I, I don't think I've seen a game where he yapped at the refs as much as he did last night. I think he just got flustered and pop sensed that. And there was one know. rather egregious thing that he had to yap about, which yeah. I guess we could bring up here. Like Russ Westbrook exploited uh, what seems like a pretty huge loophole in the NBA rulebook <laughs> in that, okay, he is, he is trying to fight through a Jakob Pertl screen. Do I have that right? That is correct. And, and Jakob Pertl is moving and I'm just going to accept that as fact. Like I don't, I, I, I'm not gonna make a judgment on whether the call was right, but let's just. For the, for the sake for, of for, argument, it's a foul on Jakob. Yeah. For the sake of argument, it's a foul on Jakob. He's, it's a moving screen. Uh, Russ is trying to fight through it. Well, as this happens, young Keldon Johnson is attacking the rim as he's been doing all night, uh, often to no avail. And so the whistle blows, young Keldon Johnson is attacking the rim. Russell Westbrook reaches out and just decapitates Kelvin Johnson, like throw, like grabs him by the neck or arm and throws him to the floor. He grabbed Kelvin's off arm and just ripped, yanked him to the ground while, while Kelvin is, is in the process of going airborne. 
Yes. Which is a huge no-no. Like if that's a live ball, right. that's a super flagrant foul. Yes. But apparently the loophole is, well, it's in the process of Jakob committing the first foul. So because Jakob committed the foul a split second or a second before Russell did that, like, is that just a free-for-all? You can just um, punch someone in the face after that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it that's something for the 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 NBA officials to clarify and in some form i don't i don't think that's legal i think that's probably a flagrant foul on top of the initial initial <laughs> hurdle foul but kelvin went that kelvin went as crazy as as i think we've ever seen him justifiably the so yeah. the nba owes a, a, the spurs an apology senator they owe him an apology <laughs> Little little Godfather reference, sir. Yes, the Spurs can push this probably, but all it will do is maybe get get Russ fined. Like it doesn't help you win the game yesterday, right? And the Spurs went on a, a the best run of the game right after that happened. Um, they were quite emotional, and I guess that's that can go to the next topic. Is uh, the unextended Lonnie Walker had another one of his runs that we've seen from him several times over the last couple of years where he just becomes the best player on the floor for about a six, seven, eight minute stretch. And those are the the types of runs that tantalize Spurs fans into thinking that this guy can be a Elway can be a significant (laughs) part of this franchise's future. And you want as somebody who writes about the Spurs and likes good interviews and likes being around likable guys, like you want this guy to become something um, just because uh, he's, 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 he's just such an affable kid. Um, and, and there's so much about his game that's fun to watch. And yet then, you know, the question is, does, does he now go away for the next week where you don't see much from him? Well, actually my question is, why did you just call him John Elway? Did I? You said Elway. Uh, I might. I, I don't speak so well. So L. Oh, Elway. The Elway. L the 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 Elway. Because because uh, I think I read in the Express News he was at the H E B and people called him Way. That's how he knows he's a San Antonian. Do uh, I need to I explain see. that? Do you want to explain that to the viewers who I know no, are not viewers? I, I think I think you just you just you just did it. Okay. Good job. Okay. But yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he's a guy that like tantalizes a good word because he's a lot of times looks like certainly the most athletic player on the Spurs roster and often among the most athletic players on any any floor he's on. Occasionally has those spurts where he's just getting to the rim with impunity, especially when you can get him out and in transition. And then when you add to that last night where he hits, a, he matches a career high with five three-pointers including three in a row at one point. Mm-hmm. He had an 11-0 Lonnie Walker run all by himself during a, during that 18-3 run where it looked like the Spurs were taking control through the third quarter. Um, when he gets all those parts of his game going, he looks like a guy that you should have extended last, yeah. last week. But you don't see that every night. Um, uh, and so it's it's that the, there's always going to be some consistency issues with him, I think. Or at least there has been so far in his his uh, young career. This leads into, um, during the fine, 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 always delectable pregame meal at the AT&T center last night. Um, there was a, a couple of people from the Lakers, um, media members 
and their contingent who are asking Jeff to rate um, the Spurs young core of recent draft picks. And if I'm setting the odds for who becomes the best player and, and I'll open this up to the floor. And we've had this discussion many times before, you know, you kind of know, first off, you know who Derek White is Derek. And we, we sort of take him for granted at times. He's a solid player. Will be a solid player probably, probably for many years to come. But I think of all the guys in that group, Derek White sort of is who he's going to be. And that, that can be a good thing. Um, DeJounte Murray, we've already discussed. Kelvin Johnson, we sort of discussed. Then you get into Lonnie Walker, his tantalizing um, spurts. The one guy we haven't mentioned who I think if I'm setting odds would at least be like 15, 20, maybe even 25% to become the best of all of them is Devin Vassell. And we're 20 something minutes into this podcast and haven't mentioned him yet. He's been to me, one of the bright spots of the season. And that guy could become the guy on this team. He's showing a lot of stuff. Yeah. He plays well when you're in the building. He, but he, again, <laughs> he's a, he's a second, he's a second year guy. And really in Spurs talk, your second year guys are really rookies. Like his first years, almost doesn't count because they don't play that much or, and don't have that much responsibility. But his first first four games, really, of just getting consistent minutes, he's had two really good games and two games where he's kind of um, floated a little bit, which is to be expected for a 21-year-old kid who's just um, now learning the NBA. But I, I do agree with you as far as potential goes. Like he's he Him and Keldon, to me, would be the top two if you're rating who's going to be the best player on this team in four years. Like ceiling wise, I think those two might have the highest ceiling. Uh, Derek White and DeJounte Murray are talking about the highest floor. Like they're definitely De Murray and White are going to be NBA players for a while, um, I think, and, and productive NBA players. Keldon and De Devin, um, you just see star stuff. And not that either one of them are even going to become all stars. I mean, that's you got to be really good to be an all star in this league. Um, but you see stuff that really um, tempts you into thinking there's something there. Tom and uh, Nick, uh, anything to add? No, I agree. I agree with Devin, uh, with, especially when you consider what he can do on the defensive end as well. Uh, yeah, so um, I, I think he he has the most upside. I think he's the most complete of the, the young guys and, and will only get more and more complete. I don't know if he has the most upside. I still, like I said, I'm obviously a Keldon guy, but uh, he definitely has more upside than Lonnie Walker to me. He's, I'm trying to phrase it because he's been very inconsistent like Lonnie has, but he's, he's more consistent than Lonnie's inconsistency. Um, you know, he offers a little bit more on the defensive side of the ball, I think, than Lonnie does. And that, that sort of consistency is, uh, gives him a lot more potential than Lonnie does, in my view. And so I would, I would say that, you know, Mike's pretty, pretty right. Devin has a lot of potential and he could be one of the top, at least one of the top two guys on this team. In his second year and first real year as, as part of the rotation in game four, the one play drawn up by Greg Popovich in the, in crunch time, basically, because Pop didn't call any timeouts down the stretch. The one play that he drew up was for a Devin Vassell three-pointer. Which, which Devin Vassell shot confidently, looked like it was good, did not go in, and that might have been 
the difference in the game and Devin was beating himself up about it afterwards. But I mean, it, it, I, I think that speaks volumes about what the staff thinks about him. Um, just Devin wanted the shot. Um, it, it looked good. It just didn't work out. And, and going back to what started this whole podcast and me calling it a bad loss. Yeah. I'm sort of creating content here by talking about the bad loss, but uh, there, there were a lot of encouraging aspects to that game. And that was one of them. What what other what, where can we find the rest of our content? Is there a place I can go on the uh, interwebs to to locate that? Oh, you can go to expressnews.com and oh. sign up for the Spurs Nation newsletter. I mean, that's what I just assume that all the viewers have done that by now because if they're interested in, in the San Antonio Spurs, like why would they not have done that? And and not only the San Antonio Spurs, if they're interested about anything going on in in highly secure top secret locations across South Texas. I mean, that's totally covered there. They would be insane if they hadn't gone to expressnews.com and, and become subscribers to get all that information. So I'm just going to take for granted that they've done that already. Well, well, do, you, do you think they should leave reviews on our, on this uh, podcast when they uh, listen to it? If they want, I mean, it, it seems like if you're satisfied with something, you would do that. So you would let other people know that this, this is something that they should do with their day to spend, you know, 30 minutes, 30, 40 minutes per week being entertained or not being entertained, being outraged. Like you would think. <laughs> right. You are pretty most, outrageous. Yes. Most yes. people that leave reviews are outraged or yeah. are dissatisfied. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, we could repeat this stuff, but I assume that, like, it's just common sense that people would already know that, be doing that. Like, okay. leaving their reviews. I don't know if you're looking at your chat function, but uh, our esteemed producer, Luis, is, is calling a little bit of BS on one of your stories you told earlier. Is he? You no, said, I haven't paid attention to the chat. Well, you so. said you said we were in the uh, in the uh, media room last night, and and uh, uh, I I allowed people to talk to me and ask me questions. Oh, that's true. And that that's does true. sound dubious. I, I I do I do admit. So yeah, but I'm, is... I'm 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 here to tell you that actually happened. I was in a good mood last night. I guess. Uh, I guess that's all relative. Um, more content for the podcast, and, and this ties in with what you said about Devin Vassell spending most of his rookie season, not in the rotation, kind of away from the, 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 the main list of contributors to the Spurs NBA team. He was the Vassell was the first round draft pick last year, the first round draft pick this year, which I'm not sure the viewers have heard of, but he's kind of a phenomenon. Wieskamp? Oh, that's a second rounder. No. Who are you talking about? Young Josh first cousin, otherwise known as Josh Primo. Um, As of Wednesday morning, the Spurs have let us know that young Josh Primo is going to Austin for training camp. And this was, this was highly expected, but I'm going to be uh, creating. I started the podcast by being, a contrarian and I'm going to enter the closing part of it by saying the Spurs should play, find more NBA minutes for Josh Primo. Um, and it's fine for him to spend training camp in Austin and get some work in and even spend a month or two playing in some games there. But I do not think that this is the year to send the first round pick to Austin for the entirety of the Austin season. And just have him live up there and stay up there all season long. Like I want to see some Josh Primo minutes with the big club um, on a somewhat regular basis by 
Christmas or so. To, to, to clarify the news right now, um, he is going to uh, participate in training camp with the Austin Spurs, who are actually holding their training camp in San Antonio, so he doesn't have to leave town. Oh, okay. Okay. And um, he's just not going to go on the road trip coming up to Dallas, Milwaukee, and Indiana. And then after um, training camp is over, I'm told, um, and this can be nebulous, it's just kind of a game-to-game, day-to-day basis as to what they want to do with him as far as uh, is he in Austin, is he in San Antonio. But I do agree with your overall premise um, that if he's still toiling in Austin on a day-to-day basis in January, um, I don't know that that's the right way to go. And and I know they've done that with a lot of rookies in the past. Um, those were different Spurs teams with different goals and probably a different caliber of rookie, I would say right. as well. So right. I, I think there is something to be said for letting a kid that's not even 19 years old yet go play a lot of minutes against grownups that aren't quite NBA players yet, gain confidence, and then come, you know, see what you got, test yourself against the NBA guys. But the, the every time he gets on the floor at the NBA level, be it preseason or the little bit of minutes he's gotten in these last uh, four games, he does something good and he looks like he belongs and he, he looks like um, – you know, he looks like he knows the game. That's the thing. He looks like he already, for 18 years old, knows what to do with the ball when he's on the floor. And so I think there's something to be said for eventually, sooner rather than later, getting him out there on the floor. The problem is, I, you know, they just have such a deep team. I, I don't know whose minutes, who's minutes he's going to take. You know what I mean? Like, there's just so many... <laughs> Well, last night you saw <laughs> last night you saw 16 minutes of KBD, and KBD is a KBD, fine KBD played the, your 15. Not, not just 16 minutes; he played the final 12 minutes straight. Yes, <laughs> the, the end of fourth quarter and uh, all of overtime were Kata Bates Diop minutes. Who's a who's he's he's a he's a fine guy to have in on your roster. He can he he made actually made a couple plays. For them in those minutes, but uh, yeah, I don't think he's a guy you want closing, uh, you know, twelve straight minutes on a on a regular basis. So I, I was being a little facetious. As of as of this recording, we don't know how seriously Doug McDermott uh, was injured against the Lakers. Like it could be nothing, it could be something, but he didn't he didn't finish. If he's unavailable, if Brent Forbes is still a complete non-factor, which he's been so far, like if he's not making shots then Bren Forbes really um doesn't have much reason to be out there. Um and if you're not if you're still not playing Thad Young, like there's a lot of minutes available for Josh Primo. Um in my opinion. I've I I I've argued in the past several seasons that the Spurs know what they're doing and they're developing these first year guys and there's a lot of uh reason for them to gain confidence and experience in the G League. But I think this is different. And, and Jeff, you should mention to the viewers, you actually had a rare, insightful observation about the difference between Josh Primo. Yeah, between Josh Primo in the summer league and Josh Primo in the preseason and what the difference might be. And I wonder if you want to share that with, with the viewers. I would say the vast majority of rookies, actually, you send them to summer league. And they look great. They set the world on fire and then they come and come back and, and play against NBA competition in, in the preseason and training camp. And uh, they kind of come back down to earth. To me, Primo is kind of the opposite of that. And why is that? 
you sent him to, you know, in the summer league, he was sort of the, the best guy on the floor and expected to be and surrounded with guys that really weren't NBA players. He looks a lot better when you, when you surround him on his team with guys that are in the NBA and know what they're doing. Um, yep. There were a lot of turnovers in the summer league where Primo made a pass that I didn't think anybody that's 18 years old was going to make. And apparently nobody else on his summer league team did either. Cause it would go into the stands or bounce off someone's head or, um, you get them to the NBA and all of a sudden those guys are kind of ready for that kind of stuff and they know where to be and what to do. Um, also, you know, when he's playing with the real Spurs and not the summer Spurs, he's not having to do a lot off the dribble so much. He's not having to run the show. He can be a catch and shoot guy. And that's something I think he can do. I mean, I've seen very little of him, but in the small sample size, I think that's something Primo can do very quickly at an NBA level is catch and shoot. So he's just one of those guys that that when you surround him with more guys that know what they're doing, he looks a lot better than in the summer where it's kind of slapdash and, and you know, defenses can key on him because he's the guy with all the talent and um, his, his teammates aren't helping him out as much. So I, I think we've definitely seen a better version of Josh Primo when we have seen him at the NBA level than we did in, in Salt Lake and Vegas. That is that is just incredibly uh, surprisingly insightful. Well, you're a positive and, young man today. Look yeah. at you. And, and it must, see, must be wrap-up time. And see, my point is that, like, when you're going through your day, when you're going through your week, and it's going to be another week before you get another Spurs Insider podcast, which I know is the highlight for a lot of people's weeks out there in this world that can get you down. Like, from places where you usually expect just misery, like talking to Jeff McDonald, occasionally... <laughs> If you just keep your mind open and 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 your 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 head willing to find the good in people, even even in terrible places, you can be surprised by an insightful comment or or something pleasant. And I think that's what I would urge the listeners to do over the next seven, eight days before you get another Spurs Insider podcast. Even even when you're out there heading to places where you know things are just gonna be bad and you're just gonna get a beat down <laughs> typically from like a, the Jeff McDonald's of the world out there that you see on the street at work. This, I'm not like liking, can, this doesn't sound very positive. Occasionally those people can surprise you. As long as you keep it real and take care of each other, we will see you next week. <laughs>